0: Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I'm Pastor John. The ministry of Headed Home is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find and answer the tough questions. And remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. Jessica, thank you. I love that song. I reference it about every time that we sing it. Um, it's interesting, though, yesterday as I was just reading. I hope, by the way, I hope you're reading those lyrics when we sing those songs. That is such a beautiful song. It is incredible, the depth of it. I remember as a child, I didn't like it that much. But it's interesting, the older I get, the more I love that song. You think about it, he hideth my soul in a depth. Oh, man, where it shadows a dry, thirsty land, it is intense picture of the intense love of God. Uh, interesting story just to share really quickly with you as we get started. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 17 and 18 tonight. of a message titled, Boat of Belief. But I want to share with you, and that just brought it to my memory. I was able to, yesterday I, had a con, I, heard, I overheard a conversation that I was in the midst of, so I had the ability to speak when I would ask my, my thoughts on it. But a person was struggling with the fact that bad things can happen to, you know, what we look at as, you know, quote-unquote called good people. Or I referenced it as God's people. And I had about a 10-minute conversation with a sister in Christ who's probably about 20 years older than me. And it was so neat because uh, God gave me many years the ability to understand with his omnipotence, meaning it was all-powerful, How, if he is truly omnipotent, all-powerful, does sin seemingly go on unabated, uh, unstopped? If he's truly all-powerful, why doesn't he stop those things from happening? Well, you've heard me preach about this. We see the enemy in, I believe it's uh, Isaiah chapter 26. Don't hold me to it, but we see him pre-fall. We see when sin was found in him, he was cast out. And then we saw... Fast forward to the New Testament in that narrative when the enemy and the temptation shows him, Jesus the kingdom all instant, all the kingdoms in the world, said this has been given to me, I can give it to whom I wish. So real quickly, I'll just quickly tell you, I shared with her how the enemy has that dominion until, until the, the end. And once the end happens, he'll be locked away in the abyss. And I said, therefore, the very presence of sin and, and things happening because the sin, the choice of sin in the Garden of Eden that unleashed the brokenness that we experience now, God not stopping it actually reaffirms the covenant-keeping promise of God. Because even though it would have behooved God to go and say to the enemy, I've given you this authority but I'm taking it back early. He would have ceased to be a covenant-keeping God and therefore our eternity would no longer be secure. And, and she stood there, so, I'm sorry, she was sitting, she sat there for a good five minutes and I'm sitting there going, oh no, this woman's getting ready to try to obliterate this. Or she's going to say, you're full of it. And she's a very analytical person. And I've become great friends with her. And she finally stops. She looks and she says, that's dead on. You just answered a question that I've been asking for decades that no one could answer. So God, God's word, God's truth answers every question that we'll ever be faced with. Don't ever do that. Cookie cutter. Well, uh, well, I don't know why. We just have to trust it no matter what. Get in God's word and pray that God gives answers because God's a God that gives answers. And when you don't know an answer, don't start talking. As a matter of fact, the best thing you can do is let me, let me, let me get with some of my brothers and sisters in Christ. Let me look in God's word. Let me pray about it. I'll get back to you, though, and please do that. Sometimes you'll get to, to something that you end up going, you know, I really don't understand right now that, but this is, then you can go to scriptures that say His ways are on our ways, His thoughts are on our thoughts. But the majority of things that people are struggling with, God's word answers. So I would encourage you to have those conversations. Did I have time for that yesterday? I will just tell you, no, I did not. But I had to make time for that because that is eternal, it is the kingdom, and it's God's glory, power, and honor. And those conversations are worth having. And imagine, though, the the blessing of God allowing me to help minister to somebody who had a battle, a struggle, a spiritual... She said, it didn't change my belief in God. She said, I just struggled with it. I could not justify those two things, his omnipotence and things happening to to good people. So I'm thankful that God has not only given us the understanding through his word, God's word doesn't lie, God's word's truth, God's word is faithful as he is, and it always will be. So I'd encourage you get in God's word, stay in God's word, get a thirst for God's word, delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desire of your heart, which is more of Himself. Those keys we talked about that I shared with you, we're going to be talking about a lot in 2024. That's how you take hold of the keys that unlock the blessings that, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have already been given. It's our inheritance. And when we get in that place of obedience, when we delight ourselves in Him, when we are obedient to God's call, and we we grab hold of the truth of his word the only thing that we can ever experience is that peace that surpasses all understanding that guards our hearts in christ jesus so hope you found genesis chapter six tonight we're gonna look at another picture of christ tonight again we're it's called typology and and we see it all throughout the old testament it's types they call them types of christ meaning there are these instances all throughout the Old Testament where God is foretelling. He's giving us a foreshadowing of what Christ was going to do. We looked at the first one, what, uh, last week or the week before, when the animal, it might be the week before last, when the animal skins, remember, God clothed that and even the Garden of Eden. And what did we deduce by that? What's really interesting is, you know, I've never heard a message about that, by the way, Never. I was in God's Word one morning and I just sitting there meditating on what I'd just read. It was the beginning of the year because I'm reading read through the Bible. And when I came to that, I stopped. And I went, he didn't go to Nordstrom's. He didn't go to Gap. He didn't go to Walmart. That meant something had to die for God to... Cle- that was the first sacrifice and I could not believe that I'd never heard that preached before. And I'm not a spring chicken. I'm not... You know, I'm not a... I'm not by no means 100 yet, but I've been around a long time. And remember, I was in church the second week I was alive. So I heard a lot of messages, but I had never heard that preached. But that is such a beautiful picture, even right then at the very beginning, after the, this initial sin that Adam and Eve decided to allow to become the framework for the rest of, of time in this context, the sin that separated us from God and brought brokenness in God also was foreshadowing that all those years ago, the beauty of what Christ would do, there was going to be a redeemer, the shedding of blood that what? Covers our sin. There was no shame before that. There was no sin before that. Their nakedness, they weren't embarrassed. They weren't ashamed. But what happened? Because of sin, they became, it was their shame. And God covered that shame. You think about the blood that sacrificed to cover. So it's just so beautiful. I hope these encourage you encourage you to understand that even thousands of years before Jesus came God was still to each generation subsequent each people group showing his faithfulness showing his mercy and showing the promise that yes the law is impossible but I'm sending the new covenant it's on the way did it was it was it a couple years was it a few hundred no it was thousands but you know what's so neat? It came, just like was promised. And all of those people, was Saul at the witch at Endor, right? Remember when they called, sorry, Samuel? When Saul goes to the witch at Endor and they call up Samuel, remember that? Why did you disturb me while I'm sleeping? That was soul sleep. What is soul sleep? Soul sleep was basically, I think that's kind of the way that Catholics kind of get that purgatory or the, that, that essence that you hear about that in, the, in Catholicism. Soul sleep in the Old Testament was a reality due to the fact that sinful man could not dwell in God's presence. Now you had priests, you had the sacrifices, Brother Jonathan, they they were atoning. Those were a temporary covering. Those were not permanent. Those were temporary. And all of those, again, themselves, are speaking and pointing to what would ultimately happen that would be the all-sufficiency for sin. That's what's uh, really profound when you go through and look at the narrative on the the, the, uh, crucifixion. It's a, this thing that slips people's minds at times. Right when Jesus died, does anybody know what happened? The graves were opened. People got up, started walking, went into town, started, wait, what's up with that? You know what that was showing? Soul sleep was over. This was the first time in history that mankind had the ability to go in the presence of God the Father shielded from the wrath of God for sin. That's the rightful wrath for the first time in history. Therefore, when Paul says, I desire to depart, which is by far much greater, but I want to finish the work. Why did he say that? Why would Paul want to go in soul sleep? The scripture says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And in soul sleep, you're sleeping. Paul doesn't want to go in soul sleep. Paul knew that he would be transported into God's presence. By the way, what do we know about the throne? We know there's worship going around the throne, and and it doesn't matter what what ability or uh, how much you lend credence to it. I know that uh, 90 Minutes in Heaven, Don Piper... Don Piper was a solid Southern Baptist pastor, not a flim flammer, not some guy that just decided to call himself a pastor. This was a solid pastor who'd been pastoring for decades. His vision of heaven included countless thousands upon tens of thousands of people around God's throne in worship. Amen. So, I'm excited tonight because what I know is the picture of what God foretold all throughout the Old Testament as those graves were opened and mankind was able to be transported to God's presence, as we look at these typologies, these pictures of Christ, I hope it really does. It causes you to dig in. Scripture is awesome. And don't don't forget this. There's denominations that don't use the Old Testament. And there's denominations that don't use the New Testament. Brother and sister, I want to tell you something tonight. If you ever hear this, please listen to this. If you don't have the old, the new makes no sense. And if you have the new and not the old, it doesn't make sense. Both intricately, hand in hand, the Old Testament points to the redemptive work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And what a beautiful picture that Christ's substitutionary atonement, becoming the eternal high priest for us, which gives us the authority and the right tonight as his children to not only plead the blood of Christ over our brothers and sisters in Christ, over ministries, over people, but it also allows us to boldly go before him. And sometimes scripture says... The Holy Spirit intercedes with groans that cannot be understood because we don't even know what to say. How many times have you ever prayed and don't even know what to say and you're in God's presence maybe weeping? Anybody? That is when the Holy Spirit knows exactly what needs to happen and he's interceding for us with groans that cannot be understood. Amen? Praise God, to God be the glory, and I hope again that this challenges you to a greater digging in of God's word because listen... We're going to spend the next, let's just say, trillion years in his presence. That's the start. And I hope you get a desire to learn, to understand, and to grow into the fullness of Christ as God is preparing us for that place of eternal worship. That is the state we're going to enter, church. We are going to enter a state of eternal worship. And I can't even comprehend how incredible that's going to be, not just because I love worship, and I love music, and I love hear glory and honor go to God. I'm just excited that God prepared the way, and as we even see the picture tonight of sin and also the representation of Christ, the, the, the spiritual life wrap that Jesus is for us. Hope you found Genesis 6, 17, and 18. If you are able physically, let's stand out of reverence for the reading of God's word. Understand that I am bringing a flood, flood floodwaters on the earth, to destroy every creature under heaven with the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark with your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives. Father, thank you tonight for your word. God, let it speak to our hearts. Let your Holy Spirit affirm truth, convict us, challenge us, Encourages, not only in this building but online. Father, may all glory be unto you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. We pray, Amen. You may be seated. So, just a little backstory. Everybody knows this, but just in case someone's online that doesn't have any spiritual understanding of this, we are at the point in history. As a matter of fact, this is, if I remember correctly, and I might be wrong. So, please tell me if I am. This is the only time in my understanding of Scripture that God has a regret. Does anybody know that there was a regret God had? I'm going to read it to you right now. If you back up to verse, uh, let's just go to verse 5. When the Lord saw that human wickedness was widespread on the earth and that every inclination of the human mind was nothing but evil all the time, verse 6, the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and was deeply grieved. Whoa. That's intense. You might, God, I just don't understand that. Well, I'll tell you, let's give you an example. I know there's people in here, or maybe someone that you know. You have this precious little child. You can remember the day they were born. You remember either how ugly they were or the ugliest baby on the planet you thought was the prettiest thing God ever put two legs on. You remember holding that child. You remember seeing their hands and their feet and just in marvel and in awe and in wonder. And then you walk with that child through the growth process. And then you get to maybe teenage years or adult years and they grieve you. And I'm not talking about grieving you, I'm talking about people who've done terrible things that have some taken lives. I know there was a pastor um, with my uh, friend of the family who tied his roommate to the bed and killed him, set him on fire. Pastor's son. Now, if I'm that father, I'm not going, you know, I'm just so thankful that my bouncing baby boy is still alive even though he'll be in prison. I will tell you what my thoughts would be. I would grieve the very day that they were born. That's me. You might think differently and I hope you don't hold that against me if You don't understand why I say that. I would say that because the thought that my son or anyone in my family would cause someone that level of grief would be just honestly too much of a burden for me to bear. God is faithful, I know that, but that's what I'm talking about when you see the context of what we're seeing here in Scripture. You're seeing a God that not only did his greatest work in the the creation narrative, you watch God literally an artisan of all artisans. By the way, he's the creator of all artisans. He has done the, the Mona Lisa times a billion of all time in history. Some creative genius God did in everything that he made. He creates total perfection. Then he creates man. Gives him a job, what God wants us to do, naming the animals, gives him dominion over, Right? Then God is so faithful and so good that he says, what does he say? It's not good for man to be alone. So he gives him woman, his wife, Eve. That wasn't good enough. So what do they do? Partake of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and invite sin into the beauty and perfection of God's masterpiece. Masterpiece. And instead of God obliterating them, God is so loving, he's so gracious, he's so merciful that he provides a way of escape, spiritually speaking. Yes, they're exiled from the garden, but again, we see the picture of what was foretelling coming on with the, with the skins that were clothed. But then we, we watch so quickly what happens and literally just a few verses basically away. We see the Tower of Babel. So not only is God in his infinite wisdom created, mankind basically just sticks his hand in God's face and says, thanks, but no thanks. And then we move forward in very short time, and the next thing you know, you know, everybody had been populated, and and then we've got what we've got with the Tower of Babel. What does God do? Confuses their languages, scatters them. I believe personally that's where the races and the languages came from, because it says he scattered them all over the face of the earth. There's only other, one other time that I can see in Scripture where they are all brought to one place from every nation, and where was that? Pentecost. The gospel is proclaimed. There's a representative in Scripture. You go in there and look, challenge me. It's a representative of all nations that come. God allows them to hear the gospel in their native language. That's what the tongues were in, that, in, the, in, the, um, in Pentecost. So they all hear the gospel, and then what happens, they go back and they're able to take the gospel. That's why when you hear me share about the uh, English um, documentary crew that went down to South America, and remember the, the great Rafafu they were worshiping, They've, they were able to get in, took two years to go into this Indian, this indigenous tribe that had no contact besides one other tribe next to them, very limited. These guys ended up learning the language. Ultimately, they accepted them into their tribe, but they were talking about how they lived in the perfect garden, and they worshiped the great Rafafu, the creator. Where did they hear that? They heard it at Pentecost. Someone millennia ago. So that's what's so neat about what God can do. He's really good. But see, when we point back this, we see this faithfulness of God when he should have obliterated man over and over. And then that's not, been, look at the Israelites when they went to the, the, the promised land. I'm not even talking about the, it's like a bad movie. sin. Bondage Crying out in repentance. God restores them. Apathy, indifference, complacency, bondage. Cry out repentance. God restore you know what I'm talking about? It's like a bad movie that just continues to play over and over, and we can read that and we go, "You know, what's wrong with those people? Wait a minute. Hence, I say, what's wrong with me and you? They were not Holy Spirit-filled like us, New Testament believers. They had the affirming God speaking. You know what? Oh they, oh, they had a burning... Oh, how wonderful, right? We have the Spirit of God in us, the thing that was in that bush. You want to talk about, I just wish God would, would let the fleece be dry for me? Got a fleece in your heart. The Spirit speaks to us continually, leads us, guides us, directs us. Oh, it's not for you? Get in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, and let me give you a little insight into why it might not be happening. Amen? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean out into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. By the way, that's getting in the Word. That's getting in His presence. That's maintaining a life of prayer. He will make your path straight, direct you as Scripture. Amen? So we, we're not following the, all right, so I went to the doctor today. The doctor gives me a shot of Rocephin, gives me a shot of steroids. That's why I'm wearing camo pants tonight. My behind's hurting so bad, I couldn't change before I came. Because they gave me a shot in both sides. So what else did they do? They called in steroids, and they called in an antibiotic. I've been given a prescription. So I have a choice tomorrow morning. I can get up and follow what the prescription says, take two of them for four days, then take one for two days, then take a half for whatever, four or five days, and take one seven in the morning and one at night for 20 days. Or I can say, you know what? Man, he shot me to the moon. I don't need the rest of it. It's going to be fine. What can happen? Sinusitis come back, and it can come back antibiotic resistant. There's a danger of that. Spiritually, we have a prescription in Proverbs 3 5 and 6. But we have a much more effective prescription that was genetically designed for us perfectly. Some of those antibiotics don't work in everybody the same way. That's kind of hit and miss. But guess what? God's prescriptions are 100% right all the time. So, what God's word says is when you delight yourself in me, I'll give you the desires of your heart the same way that God would tell his people if you obey me, I will bless you. I'm paraphrasing. Your descendants will be blessed and everything you have will be blessed and I will take care of you and I will defeat your enemies and all these things we see. But there was the if. And then he also said, if you don't, I'll curse your blessings, your diseases, and you'll have this and you'll blah, blah, and it goes on and on and on. They had a choice. Same way we have a choice. Because see, as we see these pictures of Christ, it was pointing to a, boat of redemption, a boat of belief. And tonight we're in a boat of belief or you are drowning in unbelief. And that becomes the question for every one of us every single day, what do I want? Do I want the blessings of God or in my stubborn rebellion and unbelief am I going to curse my blessings because of my rebellion and my unbelief? And then excuse it as, well, Lord, you know, if you just speak better and, and clearer and this and that, and that need wasn't met like I thought it should. And God, look what I've been doing for you. And you know what I'm talking about. These things we we often put in God's face, and we might not say them. Our actions speak clearly and loudly. Remember, God knows our hearts. So, verse 17. There, you get into the first part of that. You've got God who was grieved he'd made mankind. He made this promise that he's going to destroy mankind. Then we got in verse part of 17 here. Look, understand, I am bringing a flood. Flood waters on the earth to destroy every creature under heaven with the breath of life in it. He's not only going to destroy mankind, he's going to destroy the animals. He's basically doing this. When your computer messes up, and it gives you that, people call it the circle of death. I don't deal with that on my computer because I have a computer that doesn't mess up. It's, I'm not going to brand you tonight with it but I will tell you, you get one, you won't have problems with that anymore, I had those other ones and that's all I had was problems but I'd get the circle of death and ultimately I remember one time it went on all night long I got up the next morning so you know what, I'd, I'd do a reset push the power button, hold it down till it knocked out the ability for the computer to think then it comes back online What does it do? Starts acting right. That's what God's doing. He's hitting the reset button. See, with your computer, a lot of times you don't lose things. God was taking everything that had the breath of life in it besides what he was going to put on this boat of redemption and the man and his family that God had chosen to put on this boat of redemption. The first thing I want to share with you, though, tonight is the reason this had to happen was, number one, God must punish sin. Now, why, Brother Jonathan? Why why does God have to punish sin? Because God is holy. God is just and God is righteous. Scripture says to us, be holy because I am holy. So God's speaking to us. God's saying, I don't want pain for you. I don't want hurt for you. What he's actually doing is everything that God's word right now says is this right here. Look at it in this context. Now let's just imagine this is massive. These are the boundaries of your life and and what God desires for you. What God does, he says, okay, here's the, let's just say this is the northeast corner, the northwest corner, the, the southwest corner, and the southeast corner. These are the boundaries that the covenantal promises of me, this is the key that unlocks the beauty of my plan. You stay within this, and you will have a life. You could never imagine not only that, you're in preparation for eternity. You will have Beyond a shadow of a doubt, Ephesians 3:20, unto him who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Just stay in here. By the way, this is not constraining. We see that as constraining. Well, I, oh, oh, <laughs> I want to do this, and I want to do that, and, and you know what? My wife this, my husband that, and, and, and I want to do that because I deserve that, and blah, blah. You know, these excuses we make because what we're doing is see, we see what God, and we get tired of what we think that he wants for us, and you know, there's rules and all this stuff that this is, and so we say we want this. And just God says no. This is not part of the plan for your life. This will hurt you. This is outside the boundaries and the context of what my word promises will give you what you desire. It will fulfill you because you don't even understand because you are not the architect of your life. I am. God's saying this to us. And as the architect, I know what will hurt you. I know what will rob you. I know what will destroy you or invite destruction and in your life. And we can either... Trust his word. We can take captive every thought to the will of Christ as his word says, or we can revert back to exactly what happened in the the garden. What happened in the garden was the enemy just presented a lie. He presented a lie through a narrative that said that this alternate reality was what God was holding from you, he was withholding the pinnacle of euphoria and fulfillment. He withheld that from you. He gave you thing, but. The problem is it's a lie. It was one big, concerted lie. And instead of them, when the enemy says, did God really say, what he did is proposed a question. He proposed a question that they read into as the framework for this fulfillment and saw that this fruit was beautiful to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom. So she ate and gave some to her husband, and he ate too. Now listen, you know, they got nothing, they were robbed of everything, they gained absolutely nothing, they lost everything. See, that's the problem with the lie. It looks so good. It looks so appealing. It is pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining pleasure. Blah, blah blah. You just put fill in the blank. But ultimately, everything outside of the context of this tonight church is this: the lie. The lie. There is nothing that will ever give us anything that God has not already given us or promised to give us. It is only a means by which the enemy desires to steal from you tonight and rob from you tonight of the ability to walk in the fullness of that inheritance that I talked about that we are given when we come to faith in Jesus Christ. To see... Sin has to be punished, though, because God is holy, God is righteous, God is just. Scripture says, those that sow to the flesh reap destruction, those that sow to the Spirit reap life everlasting. So therefore, we see the consequential nature by which sin must be, dealt with. so we're watching this reset button happen. And also, though, you can just parallel it. We have to deal with that also, even under New Covenant, because as New Covenant believers, though, we don't want to believe that when we go out and sin, whether how tall or how big it must be dealt with. There is consequences. We don't like that. We think, oh, I prayed and asked God to forgive me, so we're good, God. You know, it's buried, it's lost as far as the east is from the west, and, and I'm so thankful for that. On Mondays and Tuesdays, I see a lot of cause and effect. I wasn't around for the cause, but I can read and find out what cause is, but I see effect. Effect. Same way if your doctor says to you, hey, you've got blood sugar that's either borderline or high. And, and if you don't change your habits, there are catastrophic potential consequences that are going to come home to roost. And By the way, this destruction that happens in your body quietly will reap a whirlwind one day. Oh, I don't believe that, right? Oh, yeah, no, I'm young. It's no big deal. And next thing you know, your eyes start getting weak, your, your circulation, your toes. Next thing you know, you get infections that won't clear up. Next thing you know, there's a big strain on your kidneys, and you've got a whole lot of trouble that's been going on in your body. Why? Because you just didn't believe it. That happens to other people, not me. It's just consequences. Look them cigarettes. I'm not, I'm not here to beat on cigarettes tonight, but I'm just going to tell you right now. If you think that smoking cigarettes cannot ultimately and will ultimately kill you, I don't have anything else to say to you. I watched. And watched, and watched, and watched. Person after person after person reap the consequences of long-term use of smoking. I used to smoke now. I'm not here just to beat on them. I did it for 20 years. I would have eaten cigarettes if I could have. Thank God he gave me victory and dominion over that cursed habit that I picked up to try to be Spiritual. Thank God he gave me victory and gave me deliverance from it. And a number of you, by the way, have I just been thinking about that tonight. Some of you guys are 10 plus years now. Thank God for that. I'm just here thinking about some of us people that God's given victory over the praise God. But see, the lie says, it's no big deal. You know, I know a guy that lived to be 100 and smoked every day. You just keep on telling yourself that. Not everybody who shoots up dies of an overdose, do they? But I know one thing. I met somebody this week who did. And guess what else I met this week? I met a person who didn't have a son at their Thanksgiving uh, dinner this year because at 28 years he worked for a hospital. He was on a hospital picnic and choked to death on a piece of meat in front of an entire compound full of doctors, nurses, and first responders. Well, see, that wouldn't happen to you or I, right? If you're at the hospital, you know you're going to be safe. Well, no, no. See, there's... Actions and there's sometimes equal and opposite reactions. We know that from the basic order of nature and law. See, what was happening right here is God was hitting the reset button because mankind, every inclination of his heart was wickedness. What does that mean? It means that everything in his heart was bad. Every thought, every action was wicked. And God God was brokenhearted over it. So what does he do? Look at the first part of verse 18 again. But I will establish my covenant with you. Stop there. Number two, God's covenant promises are our only hope. I'll tell you the main one tonight, church. Yep, we're under the Noahic covenant still. I know just a few weeks ago, I saw the Noahic Covenant on full display. Big rainbow. Every time we see it. Now, it's kind of wild, brother. Jonathan, you know, before the flood and stuff, I know they'd have had rainbows. No, they didn't because it had never rained. To God be the glory. God allowed rain, and then the result of that was the rainbow's formation, which was the covenant that God said, I will never destroy the earth again by flood. And he's continued to reiterate his covenantal promise to us for millennia. Whew, how awesome. See, he's a covenant-keeping God, and his covenant promises, the the Davidic covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, the Noahic covenant, the Palestinian covenant, all of those, and then what? The most important, the new covenant in Jesus Christ. Covenantal promises of God. The same thing I opened up when I shared with you how a co-worker yesterday I was able to share with her how when the enemy was given the dominion over earth that God gave him, even after he fell, God would not take back, which would have been breaking the covenantal promise of giving this dominion that he had given him before he fell. See, God doesn't break a promise. No matter how much we want to think it would have been a good thing if God stopped evil from happening, how do we present or prevent ourselves from being basically out of control and the ability for the enemy to have full dominion over us? When we are not a follower of Jesus Christ, he has, as Prince of the Power of the Air and dominion over this, he has full reign over us. That's why you hear about demonic possession. There are not demonically possessed Christians. How do I know that? How can you say that, Brother Jonathan? Scripture says, light and darkness hath no fellowship And if you have anything to do with Scripture or know anything, when demons even got in the vicinity of Jesus, they went wild. And if we are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have been indwelt by the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, you could take two mature male tomcats and stick them in a box. That would not only be a a way under-representation of what would happen if a demon and the Spirit of God were in one place notice what would happen when they would get in Jesus' presence, what did they do? They obeyed. They let, why are you here to torment us? Get away from us. Leave us alone, please. We don't want anything to do with you. That's why it's not coming near the inside of a believer. Amen? That's what's neat. We can see Scripture and understand. So if somebody says, man, they're a Christian, but man, it's almost like they got a demon in them. They don't have one in them if they're a believer. That is virtually impossible. Now, We can have external, what is that called? Oppression, demonic oppression, very real. Spiritual warfare, we know about that. We can see in Scripture how to deal with that, amen? I don't want to go off on any two rabbit trails tonight, but hey, God's covenant promises are our only hope, church. Most notably, the new covenant in Jesus Christ. Go through by the way, and study all these covenants I've been sharing with you. We're going to look at them more next year. It's exciting, it's powerful, but what it does is it reaffirms the promises of God, and we can hold fast to those, so when things are not doing well, even something as simple as Romans 8, that all things work together for good, and I was able to explain that to her yesterday also, because God's present, eternity past, present, and future, all at the same time. God's able to take these things that we see so terrible and I explain with my, my parents in the mission field with my sister Martha dying and how I said, you would not be looking in my face right now if it had not been for my sister Martha dying with my parents on the mission field all those years ago. Nor my brother. And that's when she kept going. Meaning, it was ringing a bell. That's what's so awesome about truth. That's what's so awesome about God, his promises God doesn't allow anything to happen that he will not use for his glory. And that's what we're seeing right here. That's what we're watching happen right here. The covenant that God makes with Noah right there. Make yourself an art. or you can go up there in verse 14 of Go For What, tells all the specifications to it. But then that verse 18 is so profound because what is he doing? He's showing that I am establishing my covenant with you. He gives her sons and wives and the sons' wives. And by the way, do you think when God commissioned Noah to build the ark, that Noah went, you know what? That's a lost cause. I'm not even telling about the word. I'm not telling about God anymore. I guarantee you one thing. I promise you till the moment that ark door shut, Noah was proclaiming the truth and calling mankind to repent. I guarantee you. Imagine how discouraging it would have been Preaching all those years, never seen anybody turn, mock, laugh, and ridicule was the order of the day. Every single day, because he's building an ark in a place where there's no water, in the promise, can you imagine what you say? Hey, we're going to have a flood. (laughs) What's a flood? Let me look on Google Earth, Maps. Let me look on Wikipedia. No. I don't even think they had a concept of what a flood was. Thought about that? that interesting they'd never seen raindrops before so I guarantee you Noah would look like an absolute blooming fool but he wasn't a fool he was a fool for God and he was no fool at all because of that and God's covenant promise with Noah we're going to watch that unfold you see that unfold in this and then the last half of verse 8 and then we're done you will enter the ark with your sons your wife your sons wives so God makes his covenant promise to Noah, brings his family in there, also sends the animals in two by two. God, God gives all the specifications. You can read more about it when you have more time at home. It's so beautiful because the title of tonight's message is the boat of belief. It's a boat of belief. It was not a boat of unbelief. It was the land of unbelief. But God had Noah establish a boat of belief and those who believed in God loved him honored him, God, put in this covenantal promise and did the ultimate reset button. By the way, it's coming again. It's going to happen. Matter of fact, I'll sing that old song. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. The Lord's going to destroy the earth again. You know this. I hope you understand this. And by the way, I'd like to stand in front of Al Gore and say, you don't even know what you're talking about. You don't have a clue. You can set every aerosol can, every jet. You can set every rocket off at one time. You're not going to touch it, brother. You think about it, you ain't seen global warming, my friend. But I said you're right on the concept of it. You're just wrong on the time. Because God's going to destroy this earth by fire next time. When God says it, I believe it. Kim Jong-un, I don't care. what They can set off a billion nuclear weapons. You ain't got nothing compared to to happen when God says, all right, enough. It's over. And it's going to happen. The Scripture promises us a new heaven, new earth. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that, honestly, conceptually, when you think, hey, I don't care. You know what? It's going to be awesome. It's going to be perfect. And it's going to be our eternal home. Praise the Lord. And I'm fine with it. And you know what I also know? At the same time that he's going to be doing this new heaven, new earth, he's already preparing a place for us. Again, don't understand it. But that's okay. Because I believe it, I know it, and I know it's truth. I just know that I am bound and limited by the finite constraints of my mind to understand the infinites of our awesome wonder work, God. Third and final thing, God's promise to Noah protected him from the waters of God's judgment. And I leave you with that because you see the typology, right? You see the picture. Jesus is our ark. What does it protect us from? The waters of sin. The waters of sin drowned it out. The evildoers. The same way that hell, when people are separated from God, will eternally be the place. The Waters of judgment will be the fire of judgment. Separation, darkness, or the moth and rust, they, they don't die. Guess what? It is a place where God gives mankind what their desire is when they don't desire to get in the boat of belief, the boat of righteousness, and that is Jesus Christ, the propitiation, the atonement, the sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice. God in his love has made a way. And I'm so thankful tonight for that. I'm so thankful tonight that that promise of judgment is not something that I have to concern myself with in my personal sense anymore. But we as followers of Jesus Christ should be greatly concerned about it because, again, every day we are around people that are watching us. I was once again reminded, actually more than one time, but one particularly, a person yesterday that I'd never had a conversation with about anything since an older taking care of a mother and said, "Uh, I have a question for you. Uh, Are you a pastor? I said, yes, ma'am, I am. And Where where are you one at? Of course, I was kind of loaded sometimes because for anything else, you could have said, well, I, I, you know, I saw you, and I thought you were saying, you know, you know how that can go. And she, I said, uh, at Longview, uh, I said, I call it Longview Fellowship. We're part of the Southern Baptist Convention. We're Longview Baptist Church. And she said, I want to tell you something. I've been watching you for six months. She said, I've been listening to people, and I want to be a part of what you are. She said, you have a joy that I've never seen And she said, It's not just me seeing that. She said, I have talked to countless and heard countless people talk about that. And I know it's real. I was humbled by that. And I was also woefully reminded of the continual microscope that the world has us under. Because remember how easy, as I told you, it would be for the world to look at me and go, Oh, look at you trying to cheat, trying to steal, trying to this, trying to that. How easy it'd be, and how easy it'd be to live like that. But I want to tell you something. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I have nothing to gain in this whole world. I have everything invested. All my cards and all my chips are on the table because I've got a winning hand. I know on the boat of belief there is no shadow. There is no darkness. That is the safety of the protective hand of God, and that is in the blood, the death, burial, resurrection of Christ Jesus. And I hope tonight you're there. I hope tonight you are living a life worth living because I assure you the temporary and momentary pleasures of this earth are nothing compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost everything. Consider it rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through Christ and is by faith. I want to know him in the power of the resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in death. Let's pray. Father, thank you, God. Your word tonight, God, is, is this story of Noah has been so profoundly moving to my heart, my soul, Lord, and as you've given me such a passion, Lord, in this tonight, God, I pray that whatever the reason for it is, whether it's someone in this building or watching online or both, God, I pray that we will live a life worth living. God will invest in those things of eternity, Lord, not getting caught in the foolish momentary garbage and pleasures of this world, passing away, Father, Lord, let us all tonight commit to a greater faithful commitment, steadfast, laying down our treasures on this earth and all of those trophies and taking on the things of eternity, Lord, where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves cannot break in and steal. During this invitation, God, I pray if there's one that does not know you as Lord and Savior, I pray tonight would be the night Lord, they profess and confess, confess with their mouth, believe in their heart placing their faith and trust in you, repenting of their sin and asking you to be their savior and the Lord of their life. I pray tonight would be that night. God, I pray for ones tonight that maybe have not been living as you've called them to. They feel the overwhelming sense of conviction that tonight they'll repent of that and feel the refreshment of being forgiven, cleansed and being able to experience tonight that new beginning. God, thank you for that. Lord, I pray tonight above all that you would be glorified. Pray for those ones that are praying, Lord, for the lost loved ones, the prodigal children. Give them a, a, refresh, a refreshing sense of your presence tonight, knowing that you are a covenant-keeping God and you answer prayer. Just in that perfect time is the only thing that we don't know right now. But Let us trust you because you are trustworthy. We ask all this in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Headed Home with Pastor John. If you'd like to know more about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, please visit our website at longviewbaptistchurch.org and click our contact link. Thank you for joining us.